Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden of Witts University in Johannesburg. A very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon,、uh, and a good afternoon to Abigail Vassilier in Paris, who joins us.、Uh, she's been with us this week, and、uh, Abigail is a graduate, a recent graduate of the School of Oriental and African Studies, where she just concluded her、uh, master's dissertation on、uh, China to Tunisia relations, which we talked about in an earlier show. Also, she graduated from Sciences Po Aix en Provence with a degree in international relations, and today she's a consultant to the European Council on Foreign Relations. A very Good afternoon. I think it is to you as well. Bonjour. Bonjour. Okay, so we're going to talk today about China's relationship in the Mediterranean. Now, we're going to kind of keep our discussion focused more on North Africa, but at the same time, we're looking at how North Africa is becoming increasingly important to Beijing, as in a security context, in a trading context, and also in geopolitics.、Uh, Kobus, when we think of, of North Africa, most people have been thinking about the Arab Spring.、Uh, we also don't necessarily think about China in. That context, because its investments are much more weighted in the south.、Uh, nonetheless, Sudan is very, very important.、Uh, we've talked about on previous shows China, Algeria, China, Tunisia with Abigail,、uh, and, and some others. So there is a presence there. But what's so important about the Mediterranean for the Chinese right now? I think what's really important about the Mediterranean is not necessarily where it is right now, but where it potentially could be in the future.、Um, so one third of the world's trade. Passes through the Mediterranean,、um, and that that includes all of the most of the imports from China that's go, that goes to the EU and the US.、Um, at the same time,、uh, about sixty percent of all Chinese ships pass through the Suez Canal.、Um, so you're talking about massive, massive economic kind of、uh, you know importance、um, in in that area. At the same time. You know, kind of North Africa is, is obviously going through a lot of political problems and is very、um, unstable at the moment. But it potentially could be a really big growth area.、Um, so, for example, the you know. When the Muslim Brotherhood government was still was still active in in, in Egypt, they were planning to build the Suez region into a hundred hundred billion dollar investment region.、Um, so you know there is potentially big money to be made in North Africa, particularly as North Africa connects to the Mediterranean.、Um, and then finally, it's this area where China comes in contact with a bunch of other emerging actors, including you know particularly Turkey、um, and the United Arab Emirates. Um, but at the same time, China, China is also trying to make inroads against established actors, like particularly France、um, and the rest of the EU. So I think you know potentially it could be a, a really interesting kind of area in the future. It is. It's an it's an intersection of a lot of different interests. And so you focused a little bit on the in the economic side.、Uh, before I get Abigail's comments, let me kind of put out there some of the the geopolitical.、Uh, a couple of years ago, in the evacuation of thirty some odd thousand、uh, Chinese nationals from Libya. Uh, we've talked about this prior. It was the battle group、uh, led by the Shuzhou、uh, made its way through the Suez Canal and showed up in the Mediterranean. And this was really a milestone because it was one of the first times that China's most sophisticated naval warships、uh, came into the Mediterranean. And a lot of people interpreted that as a statement, not、uh, just obviously the fact that the Chinese are evacuating their personnel, but now the Chinese military reach can extend all the way into Europe's once、uh, dominant, or in the U.S. as well. 
sphere of influence because the Mediterranean has long been a, a sphere of influence of the of the Europeans, obviously in conjunction with the Americans. And here was the the battle group uh, led by the Shuzhou that came in. Now, more recently, we've got the Jingjiangshan, which is uh, an amphibious warship, China's most sophisticated amphibious warship, that is uh, alongside the Russian uh, frigates uh, overseeing the uh, operations in uh, Syria. So you're seeing once again another presence of of the Chinese military and the Chinese Navy in the region. In fact, what's interesting, when I was researching this, Abigail, and I typed in China and the Mediterranean, uh, the only results that came up for the first three or four pages on Google um, were all military-related. Um, that being said, you know, going back to Cobus's talk about the, in, the economic interest in North Africa, I'm also thinking about the, 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 the economic interest that, that China now has in Europe. China now owns half of Greek shipping, China is now one of the largest uh, foreign direct investors in France. Uh, China is one of the largest fo- foreign direct investors in Italy. So you look around, you know, the, the you know around the basin of, of the Mediterranean. Those also happen to be the parts of the world that have been devastated by the economic uh, downturn of the past few years, which of course has led to an opening for the Chinese to buy an enormous amount of equity in those different countries. So its interests now are both on the North Africa side but as well as in the, the, the Southern European side. So kind of with all of that, the geopolitics, the economics, the, 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 the strategy of it all, what's your take on it? Um, for me, the, the first thing that is important to remind about the Chinese engagement in the Mediterranean region is the fact that it's made with different kind of engagement, different type of interests, different type of actors. And if you, I mean, if you think about the, the Mediterranean as a space, it's already made by different, uh, different actors, different culture, and it's a kind of melting pot of everything. And China has to find a place in this. And apparently what the Chinese trying to, 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 they're trying to get advantage of this uh, cultural differences and at the same time being well like, oh, we're here and we're going to make these links even stronger. And I think they take advantages of, um, of the proximity with Europe and with the fact that if they are engaged in North Africa, it would mean that their entry to Europe is going to be easier because of the relation between North Africa and Europe. They also think that uh, North Africa can be a new market for their economy and they need, I mean, they need at the moment um, to dynamite their own um, economic system. Um, the Mediterranean region is also important, as you state, for uh, security reasons. I mean, we cannot ignore that uh, through the Suez Canal and uh, Gibraltar, it's quite important to have a Chinese presence in this in this region and to be able to kind of react to any kind of um, insecurity uh, security issues or instability. Uh, what we can also see in Chinese engagement in the the Mediterranean region is um, a kind of multilateral engagement through uh, the China Arab State Cooperation Forum and the FOCAC also. But uh, with this engagement, China is trying to show like, well, look at us. We are also uh, through the Mediterranean in the international level. 
Yeah, I mean that's 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 a reasonable thing to say when your battle groups show up so far away from home. You know, you get a right to say some of those things. But Kobus, I want to ask you a question because it seems like to me, and, and this is nowhere near my expertise here, so I will kind of plead ignorance here on this one. But that the Chinese have done a very good job at taking advantage of the chaos in North Africa, as we've talked about. Uh, on prior shows, the Chinese have heavily invested in Egypt's Suez Canal economic zones. Um, we've, they're also expanding their investments in Algeria. Uh, they're on the fence in Tunisia and Libya, but nonetheless, it looks like they're there. They've done very well in Europe, taking advantage of distressed assets there. So it seems to be that when the dust settles from the Arab Spring in North Africa and from the economic crisis in Europe, that the Chinese may be very well positioned to take advantage of the trade between those two regions. I think so. I, um, I, you know, to a certain extent, yes. I think also um, the fact that uh, that China responded to particular crises, particularly in, in, in evacuating Chinese citizens from Libya, you know, kind of established a presence or set a precedent, to, you know, kind of for its ships to be in that area. You know, kind of be, you know, be, because it was responding to a crisis, it made sense for those ships to be there um, without kind of making everyone really scared. Um, you know, so there's that. Um, in the second place, though, I think it's a, it's a complicated situation also because China lost a lot of money in certain of these of these cases, particularly it lost a lot of money in Libya that it's still trying to get back. Um, you know, and I think it lost a, a certain amount of, of investments in Egypt as well with, with the kind of the fluctuations, even though there's been some new investments happening in Egypt too, uh, but, you know, kind of far away from the urban centers. So I think, um, you know, kind of, I think it's, it would probably be a mixed situation uh, where they made where they sustained some losses, but they will. I, I agree with you; they would probably come out ahead, you know, in the long run. Abigail, how do you think in Europe? The because again, thinking about Europe, considering the Mediterranean as their traditional sphere of influence, and when I say Europe, I'm really referring to NATO, which also includes the United States and Turkey. Um, but you know, now with a greater presence of Chinese economic activity, and there we're talking about Greece in particular, um, shipping, um, 60% of all Chinese trade as it goes through the Suez Canal, but then all of a sudden as the normalizing of Chinese naval warships in, in, in the Mediterranean, how do you think the Europeans react to that? What's, the, what's your thought on that? Well, to be fair, I think that China affects the EU position in North Africa because, as you said, I mean, it's China is becoming a more and more important actor in economic terms and strategic terms. Uh, but what they have difficulties to identify, it was China really once in uh, North Africa. This is a first point. And then they they really struggle to see, to identify whether they should adopt a competitive position or, um, or to kind of find uh, a way to create alliances on some se- uh, for some issues with China. And because they struggle to understand how China works, who are the, ac- the actors that they, are, they have in front of us? Is it the government? Is it uh, businessmen? Is it uh, some industrial? And uh, who are they working with? Are they working with, uh, still with Beijing under a global strategy or are they working by their own? They have, they struggle to identify interests. So I think at the end of the day, the European Union and, um, and probably the US too are kind of, um, 
um, it, it's kind of hard for them to take a position regarding China. For example, I, I talk with people from the French Agency of Development, and they were telling me that they had different view uh, inside the institution about uh, Chinese role in North Africa, and they were not able to identify uh, with who should be their partner or who are the challengers. And this, uh, this ignorance kind of led to misperception. Yeah, but I would say that that's, you know, that's a classic, and I'm glad you brought this up because that reflects so much of the worldview in Europe that I ran into when you bring up the Chinese, that people who should know, who should be thinking about these things, simply profess that they'd, they'd have no idea. And one of the things that I think is interesting as well is that you look at the, the very agencies that you were talking about are trying to put China into the boxes that they don't fit in. So the paradigm of aid, the Chinese, as Deborah Baudigan points out, are not big in the aid game, and they're not going to establish themselves as major aid players or development players. And so the French kind of turn around and say, well, we don't have a partner that we can work with because the Chinese, frankly, don't have an aid agency that, that even exists. So I think in some ways it's that the, the Chinese presence in the Mediterranean is, is very much reflective of the changing paradigm and how Europeans, for the most part, and I'll put Americans in that as well, simply do not understand what's happening here and are not taking the time to, to really reflect on it. Instead, what they're trying to do is, is characterize it and frame it in a discussion that is clearly 20th century and not 21st century. Kobus, do you agree or disagree? Yeah, you know, kind of I think also that... Part of that comes, you know, kind of comes from a kind of a developmentalist or maybe an aid-based mindset, which is, you know, that Africa is a set of problems to be solved rather than, a, a, you know, kind of a, a complex, you know, kind of set of opportunities to be explored. Um, and, you know, I, th I think that that kind of mindset that, you know, kind of looking at it through that lens tends to make it difficult to understand what China is doing in Africa as a whole. Um, you know, kind of because why why are they so there, you know, kind of, if, if, you, if you can't see opportunities in Africa, then you don't understand China-Africa relations. Um, and I think that that is part of the reason why it's why it took them so such so long to kind of to to start to understand what it means for, for China to be there in Africa. And Abigail, what do you think of my little rant there? I, I, would, I would kind of question or challenge it with, with something, with the idea that uh, the European Commission in 2007 or 2008 started to uh, pledge for a trilateral mechanism uh, it's regarding development aid, and they started to say, well, maybe we can start working with China in Africa and create to create a trilateral mechanism. Uh, so China, EU, and uh, an African partner. It, and the, the idea of the Commission was to say we need to understand them. We need to understand them, and to understand them, we need to sit at the same table and discuss. And when I when I met some people from the French Agency of Development, I came up with this idea that there was this trilateral mechanism that was kind of in process to to make us understanding Chinese because apparently we definitely have a problem with that. And he told me that uh, the first discussion around this uh, this mechanism were really really surprising with uh, Chinese people that all, were also coming to understand what the French could think about them. And uh, and it was a kind of big joke because everyone had like official discourse around the table about development aid in Africa, and it was hard to kind of break this official discourse to uh, make a step forward to understand each other. So I think even though the, the at, 
at the moment, the EU members struggle to understand China. There is this kind of, they kind of realize that they need to do something about that. And the, the, and the step of the commission was towards this. But still, even if this is a small step and we have to recognize that this is something, it's still not what uh, we should have to understand China. Yeah, well, I mean, it's always alarming to me uh, to see kind of how particularly the Europeans and Americans who have so much at stake to lose here. Uh, and really it comes down to their place in the world and their influence. And, and, and the fact is that, you know, with the Chinese being so aggressive in the Mediterranean today uh, in terms of trade, military, geopolitics, and that, that we're still at, you know, you know, at this stage of understanding from the, from the point of view of the French and the West uh, is, is, is to me rather shocking. Uh, you know, this is 2013. You know, China's economic revolution has been going for 30-odd years now, and yet we're just starting to understand. And that, don't, you think, don't you think that's a little weird? I mean, I mean this is, we're not talking about you know, you know, Laos. We're talking about you know, the second largest economy in the world, and the French are still just starting to figure this out. I, I just, it alarms me a little bit. I found it really shocking and at the same time I, I am glad because I'm kind of now able to understand a bit the policy of my country towards <laughs> China and Africa so so even though I'm scared I'm, I'm glad to be able to explain it with uh, with some kind of reasons okay. but what, I, what I'm concerned really about is the fact that in uh, in the EU discourse towards, well, we should understand China, I think the main point is the African countries that are forgotten in the middle, like, yes, we should understand China in the international relations, but we, we should also uh, take care of what the, the African countries want at the moment, what they need, and then think about how we can work all together, but with the African needs behind. Huh, interesting, because I actually think the African countries are far more sophisticated in their dealings with China than what we've heard about the French. And I think the Africans, you know, look and say, well, why do we need to partner with the Europeans when, frankly, partnering with the Europeans hasn't really led very much positive over for us for the past two or three hundred years. We can deal directly now with the Chinese who can give us leverage over the, the Europeans and the IMF and the, and the, the very Western system that really has, again, not really made most African lives better. Yeah, what uh, I mean in this in this sense, I I'm really I'm really interested by this choice of African countries because now they they kind of have the choice between Europe, Europe, uh, China, and now the Gulf countries and the Gulf states seems to now be a part of the competition. Yeah. So, Kobus, here we thought we weren't going to have enough to talk about when it came to China and the Mediterranean, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's always something to talk about about China. And well, Africa, I, I guess it just—I sh- I guess I'm still surprised when I mean I'm blown away every time we talk about the U.S. Uh, on Capitol Hill. We had Ambassador David Shin, and I said, "Are these guys that stupid?" You know, on uh, the congressman, and he said, "Kind of, yeah, they are. They're not very well versed <laughs> on these things." And then we turn around and we see the French, and we kind of see, you know. Can they be this stupid? And you kind of go, well, yeah, they're just getting used to know these things. And I think if I am the policymakers in Beijing, the fact that the people that I'm competing directly against, these great powers, so to speak, are so completely in the dark, it just makes things so much easier. I mean, okay, those just – I suppose. I, mean, I, 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 guess, I just wonder I about these one, things. 
I guess the one issue then becomes, you know, kind of how well China understands Africa. And I think that's still kind of a bit of an oh, open question. Yeah, you know, I mean, honestly, cases. I mean, we'll have a lot of material to work with there on the Chinese incompetence in Africa. So, uh, Abigail, uh, that was the, the end of a very lively conversation about China and the Mediterranean. Um, if people want to kind of keep abreast of what you're doing and what you're reading and what you're writing about, what's the best way for them to follow you? I think the best way is on Twitter. Um, they can find me on uh, V-Abigail, A-B-I-G-A-E-L. Excellent. And uh, Kobus, where, what's the best way people can follow you? Uh, you can find me on our Facebook page. That's, that's uh, facebook.com slash China Africa Project. And you'll see my name in brackets when I respond to comments. And also I'm on Twitter at Stadnesque. That's S-T-A-D-E-N-E-S-Q-U-E. We are bound to get some uh, some hate mail on Facebook for, uh, about my comments about the, about the Europeans. I would love to hear from you. We, we <laughs> love all the conversations, critics, uh, haters, all of it, as long as we kind of keep it civil. We're trying to kind of do something uh, positive here. But uh, if you agree, disagree, please let us know. Facebook, of course, is the best place to post your comments. You can post on our wall. You can post uh, you know, in, 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 in the story itself. We're posting almost 18 hours a day from Africa and in Asia, so this is a great way to stay on top of all the headlines going, uh, going on about uh, China, Africa. Also, if you want to follow us uh, in our podcast, best way to do that is on iTunes. Uh, just look for us at China Africa Project. Also, you can look for us on uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and we've got mobile apps uh, so you can listen to us on Apple, uh, your Apple device and Android as well. So all the different places to listen to us. Abigail, thank you so much again for joining us. And we'll be back again next week with another edition of the China in Africa podcast. <laughs> <laughs>